Hey, I'm Kim Short, and it's time to get your podcast on. Welcome to What Led Her Here, exploring the defining experiences of women's lives. My guest today is the kind and passionate Anya Simmons. Anya and I met a few years ago when we both auditioned for The Vagina Monologues. She's the third so-called vagina I've had on this podcast, one of an incredible community of women I've come to know through performing in the show. Anya is a British-trained nanny, mom of two of her own grown children, yoga teacher, parenting coach, and fellow podcaster. You'll definitely want to take a listen to her show, Parenting Differently, where she highlights parents who are taking brave steps to parent in their own way and be part of the change we need in this world to raise good humans. I cannot wait to dive in and help her share her story. Welcome, Anya. Thank you. I'm super grateful to be here. Thanks, Kim. It was funny. We were talking before you pressed record, and I was, you know, I always like to come up with creative adjectives to describe my guests, and yours were kind and passionate. But what I really wanted to try to define was this mixture in you of soft yet firm. And I know that sounds so weird. <laughs> I'm, a but, pi- I'm a cushion. A yeah, pillow. like, and I I was like, well, do we describe you as medium then? I don't know. But I was like, I can't come up with a word, but it's out there somewhere. And and maybe you can help me to define it. But you are this beautiful mixture of soft and kind. Yet I have a feeling if I were to mess with you, which I would not, <laughs> you, it would not happen. You would be like, you are not effing with me today. And be, <laughs> by the way, cursing on this podcast is totally welcome and fine. Um, anyway, so oh, tell, tell me, like, what do you feel about that? Actually, it's very interesting because I, I feel like I've been described that more recently, uh, that there's a soft side to me and then there's a firm side. And I think the firm side has really only just grown um, or been more vocal about in, I'm thinking hitting 40s. And then definitely when I hit my 50s, it was, I am, there's, you know, I feel like the niceness is almost gone. Although that's a core part of who I am, but there's also that sort of, that's it, I'm done, you know, and we were talking about, you know, maybe when we're younger, well, I'll speak for myself, I try to fit in more, or I felt like, oh, you know, that's okay, I'll just play in the background. And, uh, you know, as a mom, business owner, all that, we all know, you, you, you take on a lot. And I think I always felt maybe not worthy enough or that it wasn't such a big deal to, I could just cope with everything. So don't worry. I won't worry about my own opinion. And then, yeah, you hit those parts that you go, damn it. You know, I'm done. I'm over. I'm finished. I've said to my kids too, I'm not parenting anymore. I'm not wifing anymore. (laughs) I am done. It is Anya's time. You're clocking out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, and uh, so I like that way that you see me. Yeah. Well, and I've only known you for what, two or three years mm-hmm. now. So I know, I guess, more of the firm Anya and, and the confident as heck Anya. I mean, when you were on that stage, mm-hmm. wow, <laughs> it was, it was pretty incredible to see you perform and to see that, that confidence. Thank you. Thank you. And that was one of my, actually was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And so out my comfort zone. And I didn't, plan to be a part of the show. I just wanted to audition. I just thought I'd love to speak more about things I'm passionate about. And so I'll go for the audition. And uh, when they called and said I had the part, I was like, no, what, what? I don't 
think that's for me. Like, I don't think I can speak about these things in public. <laughs> I felt the same way at first. <laughs> Actually, you were vital in it all because in the auditions, I, I mean, in the rehearsals, I just kept crying because I was so vulnerable to say this stuff. And then the energy of everybody there and the power of everybody. And you kept saying, it's okay. You just keep going. You keep going. Yeah. You know, part of it, I think, is you become desensitized to the words because right mm. when you first read that script, it's some of the material is quite shocking. And I always tell people, because a lot of people think who aren't familiar with it, that it's a comedy and it's some Mm. parts, yes, but there's some really intense stuff. But as you keep saying it and saying it and saying it, you become a little bit desensitized, which I guess you kind of have to be, right? And the audience certainly isn't, right? Mm. When they hear it, it is shocking and it's meant to be in a way because we need to, you know, bring awareness to this important stuff. But Yeah. So I think now we can just say vagina, vagina, vagina all day long and it's totally fine. (laughs) Go ahead. Give me a vagina. Vagina. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So tell me, so as, as I said in the intro, you are a trained British nanny. Mm -hmm. So for all of us, you know, North Americans who (laughs) conjure an image of Mary Poppins, when I say that, (laughs) what actually does that mean? And how did that experience shape your expectations of parenting your own kids? Mm -hmm. Well, let's start with the British nanny. So in England, there was, it's called NNEB. And I went from high school to college to study this and it's nursery nurse examination board is what that means. Uh, But you would study, you study about children from birth to about seven years old. And uh, I loved it. I loved learning all those things. And my plan for the study was to then be able to travel and be a nanny anywhere in the world. That was my plan. And I started, but I stopped once I got to Canada. The rest of the world didn't see me. So it was Europe and here. And I was super judgmental of parents. And coming from that training, and I had huge high expectations. And uh, yeah, so I thought parenting was going to be super easy. I just had raised so many kids. I just knew, but... uh, it wasn't. <laughs> it was very different when I held. I actually remember the moment when I first brought my son home, my firstborn, and held him in my arms. And I'm sitting in this old chair that we had. And the connection, the heart to heart, I wasn't prepared for. And being really present and in awe of his gorgeousness, you know, and that he, you know, I was so lucky that he, I was able to birth him, that he came from me. And all of those steps just really opened my eyes to this different journey and, uh, yeah, shocked me. Even having raised other children, I wasn't prepared for how amazing, how overwhelming, how, how, what a struggle it was to figure me out as I'm figuring him out and um, how a lot of what I thought how I would parent was from how I nannied didn't work for me anymore. My, my whole gut and my intention and my heart were telling me totally different things. So what are some of the things that you took from nannying that you used with your own kids? And what are other things that you decided to leave behind that just didn't work anymore? I was just sort of thinking about this recently as to what really, what was that changed? And I think the bits that I took, which I guess are super helpful, was really knowing kind of where the what, where my child's at at that age, like at two, at four you know, and the sort of learning of playing to, by themselves or playing with somebody. Like I had more of that knowledge. And yeah, that was developmental s- milestones kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Totally helpful. And I know what I totally didn't want to bring in was that idea that I would parent each of my children the same, that these would be the rules and that I wouldn't take into account, I never even thought you had to, him 
like him or my daughter, you know, like who they are and what's important to them and whether they were super sensitive to certain things, which I definitely had one super sensitive and one not so. I, I didn't know, have any idea about that kind of thing, that they really needed their own parenting uh, separately that it wasn't a blanket. That is a lesson that I learned as well, because yeah, you do kind of think there are these parenting rules and I have to follow them and each child has to have the same exact experience. And no, that's not actually how it is. And that's not realistic. And that puts a lot of pressure on everyone involved. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you alluded to something earlier and I would love to go back to it. And that is that you sort of raise each other in a way, mm-hmm. right? So please elaborate on that because I I feel that way certainly with my own three daughters and I would love to hear about your experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a passion of mine, a huge passion of mine. The self-reflection and self-learning that I was going through, just in examples. So if one of my kids did something and it would really piss me off, I'd get really upset. I'd quickly realize that, okay, whoa, what, why? Because often it wasn't a big thing whatsoever's happened. And I would right away go into, why did I respond that way? What is that about me that is being triggered by this? And, um, you know, not a therapist in any way, but just my own sort of learning. And because I wanted to, which I think most of us do, be the best I could for them. But I wasn't prepared for how much I had to learn and relearn and heal in order to show up and be present to them. I think the raising together was really like, say I want them to listen more. I would have the reflection back on me and go, hmm, I just noticed you're not really a good listener yourself, lady, you know? And I would sort of, it would always reflect back on me or if I was thinking, man, everyone's speaking so rudely lately, you know? And then it's like, oh, I just heard myself say, hey, pick that up, right? So it was that kind of learning and it went deeper and deeper to who I was as a child, like what's come in from, uh, you know, my childhood, which obviously is everything, how you start off, right? And my belief in myself, uh, you know, my son was, uh, I always felt super brave. Like he had no sort of qualms about showing up as he was. If you went anywhere, he would be open to saying, hey, this is my name, here I am. And I would always be more like, oh, they probably don't want to be bothered by me. Right? Mm. So total different personality, but that was great learning for me. And to look into, wow, why do you feel that people wouldn't want to know you? Why, why are you hesitant that you, you're bothering somebody when really, you know, why aren't you going, hey, world, I am now, 50 does that for you. <laughs> hey, world, here's Anya. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad. It's amazing that raising kids causes us to have that self-reflection on how we were raised and for you, how you nannied and mm-hmm. and all of it. I would love to hear about, because I know you had said you were not raised with the tools to communicate properly, as you said, this was before we pressed record, um, or argue constructively. And I know that's sort of been a thing within parenting and also mm-hmm. marriage. So can you tell me how you're sort of addressing that in your relationships now, since you feel like you didn't have those tools to begin with? Right. I think it's been a journey. Well, it has been a journey, right? A learning. And I know that that actually comes from my yoga training as well and learning about the chakras and the root chakra of, of being grounded and how we feel like we belong. And if you're not feeling you belong, you're talking from that place, right? You're communicating from that place. So I would be super angry. I would only 
talk about things when I'm shouting. (laughs) And we all know most of us don't listen when someone's shouting. I grew up in a home actually where there was no shouting. Actually, let me backtrack a little bit. There was no shouting. And when my parents got divorced, my memory, and I was only little, I was six, was it was just a decision happened one day. And of course, as a kid, you don't notice all the other things things that have been happening and you know I don't want to speak for my mum but she has mentioned that she grew up in a home where there was a lot of shouting so she didn't want to pass on the shouting and then I've I had built up a lot of anger so I come back to the shouting and try to find how do I really want to show up how do I really want to communicate so definitely in my marriage (laughs) my poor husband who's not a shouter there's got to be some link there right Uh, who's (laughs) not a shouter I realized that my anger was coming from this fear of being vulnerable, right? Mm. And if I can't be in a place of being vulnerable, uh, I cover that up with everything else, right? With fear, with anger, with tears, with, uh, I mean, go straight to the other one that, you know, neither of us wanted a divorce on the same day. That's how we, we've stayed married. But, you know, <laughs> it was um, this idea to be vulnerable is something I'm still working on. And being vulnerable means that you really get to communicate what, what's real, what's true, and, yeah. and um, do it in a way that, I mean, ideally that someone can hear. I mean, if we think about communication, right, we really want them to hear what I'm saying or we want them to hear what I'm implying or we want them to hear what I hope that they hear, even though my words are saying something different. And so come back to the question of communication, I think, again, it was I didn't want my kids to grow up feeling that the only way you deal with something is by freaking out. I didn't want them to... F- witness us in big fights so I think that that made me have no choice but to step up and and learn better communication skills and um, the more I value myself the clearer I am right the um, more I feel connected to I have a right to have a voice I have a I have something to say it's not popular opinion but I have something to say I can be clearer with my communication because I haven't got that head rush and my heart in there and all the emotion which can take me out of speaking clearly. I, I can often, I'm quite a chatterbox, but I can often be dumbfounded to speak when I feel like in my throat that I just can't say what I'm trying to say, Yeah, you know? And so that's, that's an ongoing learning, right? Absolutely. I think that you hit the nail on the head is that it is an ongoing journey toward embracing vulnerability. And that's something that I've tapped into recently for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I, I invite all the people around me to, to try to do that because when you embrace it yourself, you give people around you the permission to do the same. So as you've tapped into your vulnerability, mm-hmm. you've given that tool, so to speak, that permission to your kids, right? To mm-hmm. your husband to, mm-hmm. you know, you've invited them to do that as well in communicating and this is where the yoga part came in for me was the idea of seeing the whole person so let's say about when my husband talks to me or or my kids my husband I'm still working on being a nice listener but for my kids you know I had wanted to be is that communication isn't just words right that it's seeing the whole thing so if they're telling you uh, something we can quite quickly go in our head, be ready to correct it, to change it, to sort of say, oh, that's not true. Oh, come on. They probably, you know, if they're telling you about something that upset them at school or whatever, we want to jump in and fix it or correct it. So we're not listening. And then in communicating, you know, if you see their body language, like if you can see that they're upset and you actually see it in their body, that communicates maybe even more than what's coming out of their head, right? And we know it with our friends. We yeah. know it if you say, hey, how are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm fine. And the whole body is screaming, I'm not fine. Yeah. You know, and it's definitely a tool to learn. And it's definitely something we're not, we're not taught. 
right? Like if you're around people who aren't great communicators and I'm not the best at all. I've been way better with my children than I have in my marriage or with friends. It's a skill. It's a skill set to, to move you forward to sort of really, you know, we want deep connection. We want to have deep connection with our kids, yeah. but we have to allow for that. So, I mean, I remember even, and I don't think we shout a lot in my house, but, you know, my daughter, anytime we would raise voices, she would take off. She would take off, run upstairs and close her door. And even we'd be like, no, 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 we're not arguing. Come back. Boop, she was out of there. She didn't <laughs> want to be around it at all. Yeah. And uh, we needed to learn to communicate better so that she would feel that she didn't have to escape anything you know, that she could sort of sit with it and she can definitely make her point known now. She doesn't disappear so far. She's ready for the the fight. (laughs) Well, yeah. And I guess as parents, we are really aware of having to model that good behavior, right? That good communication. And that causes us, like once we have that awareness that, ooh, these little eyes are watching me, right? Then that causes us to reflect and say, okay, why am I not communicating, you know, in a good way with my spouse or whatever? (laughs) And it does sort of set into motion this sort of journey for us that as we've said, and I have to say it again, is evolving and we have to be gentle with ourselves because it's hard to be vulnerable. Once we do let ourselves go there, like we're most often met with support mm-hmm. and love and good stuff, right? Yeah. I don't sort of really necessarily have regrets and things, but I do wish I knew more about how beautiful it is when you let those walls down way earlier on in my life than than more recently. Because I was definitely more from a place, and this is obviously a worthiness place and fear-based, of I'll get you before you get me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have kids and you go, well, I don't want to be like that. That doesn't make sense. You know, and if I've married forever, you know, I didn't want that there either. This idea that I can hit first or I'm, I'm out of here. That's my, my was a real um, core part of me, which is apparently stems from divorced kids in the reading I've done. It's also in just my personality, maybe that as soon as it's difficult or hard, I'm out, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when you've got kids is that's, you know, I totally don't want them to ever felt that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they have, but, you know, it made me really look into and, and feel into and do some work on myself as to, wow, why did one out first? And I know it's because that wall was there. And if I go past that wall, I could get hurt. If I go past that wall, I'm really putting my heart on the table. And it's so funny because it seems like, of course you would do that, but it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's not an easy step. Yeah. What would you say your life lesson is that you'd like to share to inspire other women? Uh, My life lesson at 53, I feel like I've had quite a life. Um, My life lesson would be trust yourself get quiet and trust yourself. And by get quiet, I mean, you know, stop the noise for a little bit so you can hear it because I couldn't hear it for a long time and just trust that you know the answer. Mm. Yeah, that intuition, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And did yoga help you to be able to get to that point where you could quiet things and really allow yourself to hear that inner voice? It did, but it took a lot of years. It certainly wasn't in my teacher training and in my practice beforehand. It's taken a long time to be really able to get there quicker, perhaps, and uh, not dismiss what my gut is telling me. Mm. So yoga, yeah, with meditation is a a big part of that. And um, being okay with just not knowing for a minute and sitting there and just listening to nothing. (laughs) And is that something that you've taught your kids as well to listen to that? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I wish, I wish. I just ask because that's something that I've tried to teach my girls is listen to that inner voice. And, you know, it starts as a whisper yeah. and then it gets louder and louder yeah. kind of a thing. And so you really need to, when you hear that or when that you feel that mm. thing in your mm-hmm. gut, like stop and listen. Rather than teaching them, I've tried to be the example to them. Uh, well, and, that, is, right? and that is teaching them. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's in the conversations. So when we're having a conversation about something or they're discussing something that's going on, I quite quickly will come back to, well, what do you, what do you, what's your first thought on that? And, and, you know, trust that. So yeah, you're right. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Well, and I love that because you're guiding them and, and they're get they're getting there and they probably, I would think, would develop more confidence because you're not telling them like, mm-hmm. this is the right thing to do. And your mother knows best, which is <laughs> right. what we used to do when they were little, right? More. Yeah. Often. Hey, I still wish I but, could. <laughs> yeah, but now, you know, like you are guiding and supporting them and they're, they're making their mm. own decisions based on that yeah. intuitions. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Mm-hmm. So what excites you about the future? What is next for you? Well, I do have my book coming out. Yay. And this has been a labor of love for a few years because again, feeling that I had something to say, right? And then not trusting it and then just writing it anyway. And then finally reaching out for support. So, uh, uh, a book coach I hired just to sort of say, okay, I really want this to be out there. And it really is about how yoga changed the way I parented. Yeah. So that is a bit of a next for me. Also, to I'm just rounding up season two of Parenting Differently podcast. Thank you for being a great guest on that. <laughs> and I have season three, some great interviews lined up and to continue with that. So yeah, I, I think the next step for me is just get louder and you're louder and louder to really start shouting about why we need to parent differently and give the tools to people and give the sort of support to people who are saying, you know what, you're right. How I was raised isn't necessarily feeling right for me now as I raise my kids, you know, and changing the world as you spoke of. Yes. Oh, sounds (laughs) amazing. No spoilers, but if you could give us a little nugget from your book, what Mm -hmm. you've learned about parenting that could benefit the listeners, what do you think would be like a little, a little tool, a little nugget of wisdom that you can share. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I still do, and I did a lot when I'm in the crazy, when the kids are younger and you're really, you know, full on trying to, I was running a business as well and and full on trying to lean back, lean in, lean back, lean in, would be this idea of, can we drop from our head to our toes, right? We know about dropping from our head to our heart, but um, to ground you in the moment, because ideally we all want to be present for our children right and we live up in our head most of the time and so this idea that wherever you are and you could be in the grocery line you can be in the driving to pick up is this idea feel your toes really go right to your toes feel each toe feel your sock your shoe the ground mother earth wherever you can be and then parent from that place Mm. I love that thank you you're welcome so are you ready for the final five? I am. I am. I'm excited. These are the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the first one is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? This has just come to me and this sounds so silly to say out loud, but I'm going to say it because I'm only my girl. superpower. You say it out loud. It would be to heal people, <laughs> to really heal people, to find a way. And I know everybody's got to do their own journey, so that doesn't even make practical sense but to take some pain away from people that is stopping them living their dream their life being who they want to be oh or just have a little what would I have a little zap in my finger that I could just go 
when yeah. I see the pain and just sort of soften it a little. Emotional. Yes, yes, like, yes. yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. When you were a kid, what did you think you'd be when you grew up? Okay, well, I was going to be famous, and this is way before social media. I was going to be a famous singer. Mm. No, I actually am not a great, I don't have a great voice to sing, but that's what I was going to be. A little spoonful of sugar? You want to give us a little taste of, of your <laughs> uh, voice? No, because then you'll all realize why that dream still can't happen, and I want to keep it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will just say, she did give me a half of a of the chorus earlier before we pressed record, and it was quite lovely. Oh, <laughs> it's just the British accent fooled you, that's all. <laughs> uh, if it were your last day on earth, what would your final meal be? Oh, pasta. Yes. I love a good old bowl of spaghetti. Me too. Yeah, that's, you know, a go-to if I like it with oil and garlic and shrimp I like, but sometimes just your plain old, my mother-in-law's tomato sauce and mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. that is the top. Yeah. Who is a woman in history or present day you admire? So I rushed with a whole bunch of names and then I can try not to cry for this one. You know, it's my mum. It's, I am crying. It's my mum because she has shown me time and time again. She would be the soft and the firm, definitely. But she has, you know, gone through a lot as we do in life. And she has just owned it. She's still doing work on herself. But she has just shown me this kindness. And her love for me and my siblings is immense. And she's just really shown me how to go through stuff and not escape it. Hmm. So I think she's got to be top of my list. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. What is your favorite quote? From parenting and in business and things that I really love, and I said it a lot, is Marie Forleo's one, everything is figure outable. Oh, yes. If everything is figure outable, we can chill a minute. We can relax a minute, right? From a printer not working, from the computer not doing, from your child is not, you know, the police call you for your child as doing something or whatever it can be. If Let's you can, hope not that last yeah. one. <laughs> so anyway, that was a bit ahead. dramatic from printer to, to TV. Uh, I to can computer. deal with the tech issues, the police. I don't know. Anyway, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I was just thinking of the worst case in yeah. that it's all figure outable. So if you can approach it from that place, Hey, let's even go to babies crying and toddlerhood, which is can be really, you know, hard on the senses and you're oh, not yeah. sleeping. But if you have in your mind this idea, okay, this is figure outable. Yeah. Maybe that helps. Yeah, it's less overwhelming that way, and and it just sort of brings a perspective, a calming yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah. Because when you're in stuff, you don't, right? You don't necessarily think that. Yeah. Um. And I, I'm quick in in many things. Just go. Oh, this is this is done. I'm not going to be able to do this. Um. Mm. This is over. I mean, many things, simple things to just go. Hey. Pause a moment. Everything is figure outable. Yeah. And I think that was actually from her mom. I read her book and, and I think that was actually from her mom used to say, hey, everything's figure outable. I love that. <laughs> and you know what I find too in that same vein is that most things are temporary. Yeah. So you when you're That's in good. especially early parenthood, holy mm. cow, you feel like, <laughs> oh my God, this is like, you know, this phase is gonna last forever. And then you're like, and then when you look back, my gosh. It's like, wow, that lasted about two seconds. But in the moment, it seemed like it was forever. But Mm -hmm. just to put some perspective on that and know that just to embrace and try to enjoy all of it because it just freaking flies by. It does. It does. And one of the ladies I interviewed, she just said, and it seems so obvious, but she said, you know, they're only little for for a short amount of time. They're big for a long amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, whoa. Mic drop, never thought of it that way. That yeah. yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. If we could 
share that message with young parents or parents to be mm. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But of course, and they'd probably be like, "Shut up! I'm not sleeping." You're, you don't yeah, know what you're talking about. Big one. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and actually, everything is not figureoutable. They are still crying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, all it, it all happens in 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 time. It's all and, our journey, right? Their yeah. journey, our journey. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much you're for so being welcome. here today. I appreciate you sharing your story. You're welcome, Kim, and thank you for having me. And I love this podcast. I love what you're, you know, t- sharing people's stories. So thank you. Thank you.